Amen. Amen. Stand with us this morning, Luke chapter 22. I'm glad God hears and answers prayer. Amen. The Bible said uh, that his ears are over the righteous, or his eyes are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto our prayers. I'm glad God uh, is concerned about the things that we're concerned about. In Luke chapter 22, this morning, Brother Danny was teaching Sunday school. I got very nervous this morning because I thought, well, uh, I really didn't know right where we was at in Sunday school, and I knew what was on my heart, and I thought, he's going to teach uh, the lesson this morning that uh, God, the message that God has laid on my heart. But it's amazing how God can put things together. And uh, the Lord laid this message on my heart last night, and so I want to be obedient to the Lord. Luke chapter number 22, and we'll begin reading in verse number 54. The Bible said, Then took they him and led him and brought him into the high priest's house. And Peter followed afar off. And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. But a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him and said, This man was also with him. And he denied him, saying, Woman, I know him not. And after a little while another saw him and said, Thou art also of them. And Peter said, Man, I am not. And about the space of one hour after another confidently affirmed, saying, Of a truth, this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately when he yet spake, the cock crew. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Let's bow for prayer. Father, I want to thank you this morning for the word of God. I want to thank you for the good singing we've heard this morning, for your presence, the rejoicing, the testimonies, Lord, that's been in this place. And I pray, Heavenly Father, now that you'll touch us spiritually. I pray that you'll touch us physically. God, I ask if you would this morning to help us to uh, preach what you've laid on our heart. I pray that you'll save the lost and reclaim the backslid, encourage those that may be discouraged this morning, strengthen the weary. And Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to preach out of verse number 61 where the Bible says, And the Lord turned and he looked upon Peter. And I want to preach on the look of the Savior this morning, the look of the Savior. Before we get to verse number 61, I want you to see three things about Peter in the verses that are uh, leading up to verse number 61. First of all, I see in verse number 54, I see Peter's walk. As the Bible said in the latter part of verse number 54, that Peter followed afar off. Now they have come and they have brought, they have uh, arrested Jesus and they are taking him uh, to his trial. And of course, you know that Jesus had a civil trial and he also had a religious trial. And they're taking our Lord and they're preparing to bring him before the high priest and before the Sanhedrin and before those that are to judge him religiously. And then he'll be tried before Pilate and before Herod. Uh, he'll have these other trials as well. But Peter is following Jesus, but he's following him differently as he has <clears throat> followed him before. The Bible says that he followed him afar off. You know, a lot of times in our life, if we're not careful, when we begin to get away from God and we backslide, if we're not careful, that's where we'll find ourselves. Maybe still in church, maybe still singing in the choir, maybe still attending Sunday school, but yet we're not following Jesus closely. We're following him afar off. And I notice in Peter's walk here that it was different. I noticed that my friend, that it was discouraged. It was defeated. Uh, Peter's not walking the, as he was before. That man with that earnestness to serve God and that desire to 
serve God, but he's got a defeated walk. And you know, sometimes in church, you can look at people and you can tell they're not where they need to be at with God. Now, I'm not talking about being a spiritual thermometer and I'm not talking about being a Pharisee, but I mean, listen, spiritual people will tap in uh, to when people are starting to drift and get away from God. And you'll know when, you, uh, when you're around a spiritual person because the Bible says in uh, Galatians 6 and verse number one, he said, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye what your spiritual, restore such a one how? In the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. In other words, when a spiritual person sees someone following Christ afar off, they don't gossip about that person. They don't run that person down. They don't criticize that person. A spiritual man, number one, says, you know what? By the grace of God, that could be me. And number two, I need to pray for that individual. Amen? But Peter, I see that his walk is different. I see that his walk is defeated. I see here that his walk is, is dangerous. He is still following Christ, but he's following him afar off. Now, I want to tell you something. You say, well, <coughs> preacher, <coughs> he's still following Jesus. Yeah, but it's not going to be too much longer. He's going to be in more trouble. And I'm going to tell you something about following Jesus so far off. Eventually, you lose sight of him. I'm telling you, if you don't get close to God and walk close to God, every one of us, this pastor included this morning, we're all subject to drift. We're all subject to get into sin and things that we never thought that we would get into. My flesh is as wicked as anybody else's flesh. And I'm gonna tell you, outside the Bible and prayer and the grace of God, I'm subject to fall into any sin that any other man has committed. And so are you. You might be here this morning and say, well, I would never do that or I would never go that far. But the fact of the matter is, you don't know what your flesh is capable of doing when you get away from God. I've seen people get out of church I never thought would get out of church. I've I've seen people leave a good church and go to a liberal church and change every conviction and standard and principle and doctrine that they ever believed in. It wasn't because, uh, uh, listen, that somebody hurt them as though they may say that or somebody disappointed them. No, the problem was they started following Jesus afar off. Amen? And so I see his walk. And then I see Peter's warmth here. As the Bible said in verse 55 and verse number 56 that he began to warm himself by a fire. The word God says in verse 55 that when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall and were set down together, Peter sat down amongst them. In other words, he sits down by this fire because he is cold. And I want to say, listen, that's a good place to be when you're cold is next to a fire. Brother, when I come to church, uh, the fire of revival, the fire of preaching, the fire of old time worship, you know what it'll do? It'll warm you up spiritually and get you close to God. But this isn't a spiritual fire. This is this isn't God's fire. This is the world's fire. This is the devil's fire. Amen? And you need to be careful whose fire you're warming yourself by. <clears throat> It'd be amazing this morning if we was to go around this room and find, and we're not going to do that, but it would be amazing this morning if we was to go around this room and, and if the Holy Spirit was to reveal to us uh, who's taking counsel from who. Amen? The Bible said in verse number 55, and when they had kindled a fire, notice this, in the midst of the hall. What I see in verse number 55 is that he is warming himself by a, in a strange place. This is no place for Peter to be at, but yet he finds himself there. You know, sometimes when you start following Jesus afar off, you'll find yourself in some strange places. When people start getting away from God, the first thing they'll start doing is engaging themselves in things 
that they wouldn't normally engage themselves in. You need to be careful when people try to get you to get involved in things that you've not never been involved in before. They'll say things like this. Well, there's not really anything wrong with it or, or the Bible doesn't really say anything against it or, you know, we're not going to do anything sinful. Hey, if you've got to put them those kind of disclaimers on what you're about to do, I grant you, friend, you've got no business being in that place and doing that there. And so I see that he warmed himself in a strange place. He warmed himself in verse 50 amongst strange people. The Bible says in verse 55, and when they were set down together, this is not the other disciples that Peter is sitting with. Peter is not sitting amongst Jesus and the other believers. He's now sitting amongst a different crowd. Hey, when you start following Jesus afar off, you'll change crowds, amen? You won't want to be around that crowd that wants to be on fire for God. You'll start distancing yourself from the man of God. You'll start distancing yourself from the fellowship of the church, from the fellowship of the brethren. You'll find friends in other places. You'll, you'll find people in other places. And you say, Brother Gravely, don't you think that you can be a friend uh, uh, to this world? You may be a friend to this world, but you cannot be a friend with this world. Amen. In other words, you can witness to them, but you can't sit down amongst them. Psalms 1 and verse 1 says that blessed is the man that walketh not, that standeth not, that sitteth not. Amen. God put some disclaimers there and said, don't yoke up with this world. Can I get an amen right there? And so he said, I see that he warmed himself in a strange place among strange people. And then he warmed himself in a very strange position. The Bible said in verse number 55, and Peter sat down among them. Now note this. When Peter sat down with this crowd and tried to blend in, even this crowd themselves knew that Peter didn't belong here. <clears throat> now the world may embrace you and the world will take you in, but the world knows something. The world knows you don't belong Friend, if you can claim that you're saved and you can yoke up with the world and live as the world and live like the world and it never bother you, if you love the world more than you love the people of God, I grant you on the authority of the word of God, you're not saved. You say, oh, but preacher, I went to an altar. I cried. I, I prayed a prayer. That may be all, uh, listen, all for, formalism, but hey, when their salvation takes root in your heart, uh, the Bible said you'll know that you have passed from death unto life because you love the brethren. Given the choice every day of our life, I choose the people of God over the people of this world. Hey, this is my crowd. This is my hitching post. Uh, I'm not here because I have to be. You're not here because you have to be. I'm here because I want to be here, Amen. You know what makes me want to be here and makes you want to be here? It's salvation. Even if you was raised in church all your life, let me stop and say this. Even if you was raised in church all your life, you don't have to be here today. If you're an adult, you can walk away from God. You can walk away from your raising just like anybody else can. But if you're saved, there'll be a desire. There'll be a hunger to want to be there. I see Peter's walk. I see Peter's warmth. And then I want to say this morning, I see Peter's words. As this damsel in verse number 56, she looks at him earnestly, the Bible says, and she says, this man was also with them. But notice verse 57, and he denied him, uh, saying, woman, I know, not, I know him not. And after a little while, another saw him and said, thou art also of them. And Peter said, man, I'm not, I am not. And about the space of one hour, another confidently affirmed, saying of a truth, this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately while he yet spake, the cock crew. 
Peter's own words tells us the shape of his soul. You know, oftentimes when we get away from God, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. You want to know where somebody stands with God? Just listen to what they say. Listen to what they talk about. Listen to the counsel, the advice that they give. Listen to the attitude of their, their words. I, one of the things I've learned in pastoring is, is, and I haven't mastered this by no means, but there's sometimes I want to react to some things and I just, you can't. You know why that is? Because sometimes you're dealing with people that are backslid, they're lost. And you've got to sometimes let some things go because the bigger problem is not what they said. The bigger problem is what's in their heart. And having the last word isn't always the important thing. I've seen people say things in church to other people and people would come and say, Preacher, I, I don't know what's wrong with this person. Why, you know what's wrong with them? They don't, they're not right with God. We need to pray for them. Am I, am I telling the truth this morning? Peter's words are witnessing against him. He's saying things that he should not say. But when we get to verse number 61, notice this, and the Lord turned and he looked upon Peter. Now I'm talking about the look of the Savior. This is no ordinary look. This look did some things in the life of Peter. It not only convicted him, but it changed him for all of his life and all of eternity. And I want to say when God looks at us, it will change us. Amen. I need the Savior to look upon me. You need the Savior to look upon you. You say, preacher, what did it do for Peter? Well, number one, it brought a remembrance to his mind. Notice the Bible said in verse number 61, and the Lord turned and looked upon Peter and watch this, and Peter... Peter remembered. When Jesus looked at Peter, the very, in the midst of all that he was saying, in the midst of all that he was doing, I mean, Peter is saying things without even thinking. He is saying things without using his head. He is thinking, saying things without being led by the Spirit. But I'm telling you, whenever Jesus looked at Peter, the first thing it did was he remembered in his mind. You know, when God looks on us, it brings things to remembrance. When that man of God is preaching, and the Holy Spirit takes that word and shines it in our heart. It brings things to our remembrance. It brings sins to our remembrance. It, it brings our faults, our failures. And Oh, listen, how I need to be reminded. I need to be reminded of who I am. I need to be reminded of what God has done in my life. I need to be reminded of how good God is and how much I owe to Him and how that I must serve Him. Isn't that true this morning? And when God looks down on a service and when God looks down in a message, uh, it reminds me of some things in my mind. I think a lot of times when we get off into sin, it's because we so easily forget where God brought us from and what he's done for us. You stop and think about it this morning. Where would you be at today had it not been for grace? I'm telling you, I don't care how many people does you wrong. I don't care how, how much you get hurt in church. You ought to stop and you ought to serve God in spite of people, in spite of things. Because you'll remember, you ought to never, you and I should never forget where we were the day God found us. That ought to be enough to put a smile on our face every day. If God never hands us another blessing, if God never gives us another benefit, if God never does another thing in our life, He doesn't owe us anything this morning. Just the fact that He saved us and rescued us from hell, that ought to be enough alone to cause us to get up and sing every morning and say, Lord, by the good grace of God, I want to do my best to serve you. I'm Tell you, listen, when God looks upon us, it brings a remembrance to our mind. I want to say, secondly, it brings a reality. 
It brought a reality to his flesh. The Bible said that Peter remembered the word of the Lord and how he said unto him, before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. It not only brought a remembrance to his mind, but it brought a reality to his flesh. Peter stands tall in the earlier verses and he says, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to death and to prison. But Brother Mar, when when Jesus looked at Peter, he was reminded how weak this flesh really is, how that it's big to boast, but how that you cannot trust the flesh. You can't put any confidence in it. It'll stand up and make statements that it cannot live up to. And I'm telling you, when Jesus looked at Peter, he was brought into the reality of how weak the flesh really is. None of us are as great as the devil wants us to think we are. We're not as strong as we think we are. We're not as spiritual. Oh, that devil will crawl up next to you and he'll make you think you're a giant for God if you listen to him. When in essence, you and I are as weak as water today. The old songwriter had it right when he said, I can't even walk without him holding my hand. I'm telling you, our strength is is made perfect. The Bible says, not in strength, but in weakness. It's when we're weak that we're really strong. It's when we're small that we're really big. It's when we realize that without God, I can't do anything. Without God, I am nothing. Without God, I will surely fail. Hey, the Bible said, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Oh, the Bible said to take heed. Every man should take heed lest he fall. I want to tell you something this morning. If God don't help every one of us, we won't make it no sunset tonight. And I'm telling you, I need him more now than I've ever needed him all my life. And the only safety net we have in serving God is to keep our flesh in check at all times. No matter how many sermons preachers preach, his flesh will get you. The greatest enemy we have is ourself this morning. The flesh is so wicked. The flesh is so real. It'll rise up at any moment that it's given an opportunity. At any moment that it's given a chance, uh, the flesh will rise up against you. The flesh, listen, if it can't get you in pride, uh, if it can't get you in prestige, uh, oh, it'll get you with the pleasures of this world. Uh, it'll convince you that, the, that there's more fun out there than there is in here, that you can have a better life doing it your way rather than God's way. I'm talking about we need to all be brought into the reality of the flesh. Don't trust it this morning. How many people have shipwrecked their lives because the flesh said, You can handle this? You can do this. You, you can, this ain't going to get you. You know what you ought to tell yourself when the flesh says that? If you get by with sin, you will be the first person in all, in all of humanity since the garden that's ever got by with you. Friend, that ain't going to happen today. The Bible said there's pleasures of sin for a season. But the, the word of God said, the soul that sinneth shall surely die. Oh, listen, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth of that shall he also reap. If a man commits adultery, you chalk it up. Somewhere is this going to come up. God said, if you try to cover your sin, you'll not prosper. God said, I'll uncover your sin. The best thing to do is confess it and forsake it. And while I'm on that subject, can I just preach a few minutes on adultery? Because I think you ought to preach on it every now and then. Because if you don't, it'll get in your church and it'll get in your home. Hey, listen, you ought not to look at another man's wife. You ought not to lust after another man's wife. Hey, you're not even flirt with another man's wife. Somebody say, man, husband, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. I don't think men and women ought to hug. Somebody say, man, let's say old enough to be your granny or they're your sister or your mother. 
Bible said it's better for a man not to touch a woman. That's in the book, isn't it, this morning? Boy, ain't we having a great time. I'm just talking about, hey, we got to keep things in check. You say, well, I don't mean anything by it. Maybe you don't, but you don't know what's turning on the other side. Hey, man, in that other head there, you've got to be careful. You cannot trust the flesh, the reality of the flesh. Hey, it only takes one cigarette. It only takes one bottle of booze. It only takes one lottery ticket. It only takes one time, one night, one fling to, my friend, bring regrets the rest of your life. And scar you up and you'll never get over it. The grace of God will forgive you. The mercy of God will be extended. But you'll live with the reproach of that sin the rest of your life. Peter was brought into the reality of his flesh. And then I want to say this. The look of the Savior brought not only remembrance to his mind, a reality to his flesh, but it brought a removal from his company. There's some good that come out of this look. Because the Bible said in verse number 62, and Peter went out. Do you know that's a good thing, Brother Jeff? That Peter got away from this crowd. This wasn't a crowd that loved Jesus. This was a crowd that hated him. Hey, them people you work with, if they're not Christians, they don't love God. And you ought to witness to them. But don't take advice from them. Don't sit around and discuss your problems with people you work with that are not saved. And if they say they're saved, just look at their life. Me and my wife was talking about this yesterday. I said, you know, if people just use common sense sometimes and look at the person that's giving you advice, how's their life going for them? Is that true? Man, I've watched people that's been through three divorces give marriage counseling to people that have never been divorced and say, well, I'll tell you, this is what I do. Well, look at that person. And I'm not beating up on nobody that's been divorced. But I think you would agree with me. If they've been through two or three divorces, they're the last person that needs to give counseling for marriage. Amen? But you'd be amazed. I don't know who's dumber in that situation, the one giving the counsel or the one listening to it. But you'd be amazed people go to work and listen, they'll take advice from somebody that don't even want to live for God over the man of God preaching out of the book, over the Sunday school teacher trying to teach. They'll take advice from some friend down at, the, down at their hangout place or somewhere else. Oh, they may quote a little scripture now and then, but look, Look at their life. If they're not dedicated, if they're not consecrated, and even if they are, if they're not giving you counsel out of this Bible, don't listen to what they say. Amen. Get away from them. Get away from them this morning. Young people, don't hang with the wrong crowd at school. Amen. I'm telling you, I don't care if it's Christian school. I don't care if it's homeschool. If your brother ain't doing right, put him in one room and you get another. Somebody say amen. That's right. I don't care if it's public school. I'm telling you, listen, if they're wanting to not do right, listen, if they're wanting to listen to rock music and country music, if they're wanting to, to listen, engage in activities that is not becoming of a Christian, then you need to get away from that company. You need to get as far away from them as you can. Listen, you need to have some common sense. The Bible teaches us that we're not to walk amongst that crowd. Amen. You'll never win them by being like them. They'll always win you. And the good thing was that when Jesus looked at him, he went out. <coughs> it would help us this morning today. There's probably people sitting here this morning. You know that the man of God's preaching because the Holy Spirit's dealing with your heart because you're hanging with people you don't need to be hanging with. I don't even care if it's in a youth group. 
I'm telling you, if there's 10 young people in this church and there's one of them trying to infect everybody else, I'll tell you what, if I was the other nine, here's what I'd do. I'd gang up on that person and I don't mean beat them up. I'd just go up to them and I'd say, hey, we're not going that route. If you want to go that route, help yourself. But we want you to know we're praying for you that you'll get right with God, amen? I'm not talking about being a Pharisee, but I'm talking about don't, don't bow your head and not testify or not, not read your Bible or be afraid to, to live for God because of one heathen in the youth group. No, band together and pray and win them. That's what the Bible said, but don't be like them. Don't shy, don't shy down. Don't back up because they are getting vocal about how they're living. I'm telling you, when Jesus looked at Peter, it caused him, it removed him from the crowd that he was with. And then I want to say this in closing. Not only did it remove him from his company, but I want to say this, it released him of his emotions. The Bible said in verse 62, watch this, he wept bitterly. Do you know this was a good thing for Peter? Brother Cape, it was the breaking point. It was where he needed to get to to get right with God. Peter was hasty, he was prideful, he was quick to answer, he was full of himself. Jesus tried to tell him, he said, look, Peter, he said, Satan desires to sift you as wheat, but I prayed for you. He said, when you're converted, strengthen the brethren. Peter interrupts him and said, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, before the cock shall crow this day, thou shalt thrice deny me. He never even heard them words. He was so confident of what he was going to do. When Jesus looked at him, Peter had all these emotions bottled up inside. And when Jesus looked at him, he wept. Well, thank God. I see this in church so much. Look up here at me. I see this in church so much. I see people that have quit weeping. God, help us today, church. I'm telling you, there are people sitting in churches today. Sin has piled up in their life. And they have stiffened their neck. They have hardened their heart. And then it's been a long time since they got on an altar and just got broken and wept over their sin. I see people get away from God and when they get away from God, you mark it down. The first thing they're going to do is point a finger at somebody. They're going to blame everybody else for why they're living the way they're living, but they're not going to blame themselves. They're going to come as close to apologizing as they can without doing it. And I'm telling you, until you make it right with God and those around you, you never get right with God. Can I get a witness? You know why Peter got right with God? Because he found him a quiet place. And he got broken over his sin. He wept. He wept. He let all that emotion out. He quit bottling it up. He come clean. And I'm telling you, there come a time when Peter was so remorseful that when he saw Jesus in John 21, he went running to where he was. When's the last time you ran to Jesus and wept? And I believe this was a revival for his future because the good thing is this. Think about this. (coughs) The Bible says that Jesus turned and he looked at Peter. Now watch this. David Cape's not looking at me right now. Don't look at me, Brother David. Hey, I'm looking at him, but he ain't looking at me. He don't see me looking at him. In other words, you know what he's doing? He's ignoring me right now. And the good thing in this text is, Brother Cape, is that 
the whole time that the whole time that Peter said, I don't know who he is. I'm telling you, I don't know that man. I'm telling you, and he's cursing, but the whole time he can't get his eyes off Jesus. Because he sees Jesus look at him. When they make eye contact, he remembered. He remembered how he'd failed God. The good thing in this text is that while Jesus was looking at Peter, Peter was still looking at Jesus. He might have wandered far away from him, but thank God he still had his eyes in the right direction. You may be here this morning, you've wandered away from God, but if you still hear his voice, if you still know that he's talking to you this morning, friends, you ought to do something about it. You ought to still, if you're still looking at him, you ought to, you ought to get in this altar and repent and get right with God this morning and have revival. Wouldn't that be wonderful this morning? I want to see people saved, but I tell you what may be hindering us sometimes is we just need to repent. Maybe it, maybe it, ain't, maybe it ain't that so much God is as interested in us winning the world this Sunday as he is in just trying to get the church where it needs to be at so that we can be the light that God wants us to be while we stand this morning. Brother David's going to lead us in this song. What page, brother? Page 357. While we sing, if God speaks to your heart, would you just do one thing for me this morning? Would you fully obey God? If he speaks to you, would you come to this altar and do business with him? Would you humble yourself and let God help you while we sing? Have thine affections yes. been nailed to the cross? Is thy heart right yes. with God? Yes. thou all things. Is God speaking to you this morning? Is Is thy heart right with God? Can you still hear his voice? Harden not your heart. Is thy heart right with God? What's Is that not the ultimate question this morning? Is thine heart right with God? I want my heart to be right with God, don't you? I don't want it to just look right on the outside. I'll tell you what I, I'll tell you what I want, Lord. I want my heart to be right with you. God, look at me this morning. Look on me, Savior. If there's something there that doesn't need to be there, if there's something you see that I can't see, If there's something that's holding me back, something that's hindered me, look at me, Jesus. Bring it to my mind. Bring the reality of my flesh into view. Oh, Lord, I tell you the trouble. We'll be in trouble if Jesus ever turns away from us. Look at me, Jesus. Is that your prayer this morning? Is your heart, can you you walk out them doors and leave these premises today and honestly say, my heart is right with God today. Only you and the Holy Spirit knows that. If he deals with you while we sing this verse, would you come?
As thou dominion or self and or sin, who's sitting on the throne of your heart tonight? This morning, who's in charge of your life? Over all evil, who's making the decisions in your life today? Have you fully surrendered to the will of God for your life? Is thy heart right with God? Washed in the crimson flood, cleansed and made holy, humble and lowly, right in the sight of God. I want us to bow our head for just a few moments while folks are still praying. I want, to give, I want to give us time this morning while these folks are in the altar that if there's somebody here that you'd say, Brother Gravely, I'm, I'm not saved and I, I know I'm lost and I want, I want you to pray for me this morning. Would you lift your hand and let me pray for you? If you know today that you're not saved, I see that hand. I wonder if it'd be someone else. I see that hand. I wonder if it'd be someone else. Brother Gravely, I'm not saved. I want you to pray for me this morning. Would you be honest with God? I wonder if there's somebody here to say, Preacher, I'm saved. And I don't want you to embarrass me. I, I don't want you to come to me. You can be a visitor or a member. But you'd like to lift your hand and say, Preacher, pray for me. I, I'm not where I need to be at with God. And I just want, between me and you, I want you to pray for me. I see that hand. I see that one and that one. And I see that one. And I see that one. Anybody else this morning? I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to say a word to you. But I will pray for you this evening. I see that hand. Anybody else this morning? I see that hand. Now, I don't know what it is between you and the Lord, what's holding you back, but... I will pray for you. I'll tell you what I would do. I'd make it right. I wouldn't let it linger. I'd get it. If there's something something hindering you, <clears throat> don't let it hold you back. You'll never have any real joy if you're saved till you surrender it to God. You don't need it as bad as you think you need it. You can live without it. If you'll just trust God, He'll help you. He'll help you this morning. Folks are still praying. You mind God this morning. If you need to come to this altar, we'll sing another verse. And then while we sing, you obey God this morning.